Chapter 17 of The Dark Other. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gloria Begaman, Somerville, South Carolina. The Dark Other by Stanley G. Weinbaum. Chapter 17 witch doctor pat had no intentions however of following the famous highway that evening she stamped angrily down the doctor's steps swished her way through the break in the hedge with small regard to the safety of her sheer hose and mounted to her own porch she found her key opened the door and entered as she ascended the stairs her fit of temper at the doctor passed and she felt lonely weary and unutterably miserable she sank to a seat on the topmost step and gave herself over to bitter reflections nick was gone the realization came poignantly at last there would be no more evening rides no more conversations whose range was limited only by the scope of the universe no more breathtaking kisses the sweeter for his reluctance she sat mournfully silent and considered the miserable situation in which she found herself in love with a madman or worse in love with a demon with a being half of whose nature worshipped her while the other half was bent on her destruction was any one she asked herself was any one anywhere ever in a more hopeless predicament what could she do nothing she realized save sit helplessly aside while nick battled the thing to a finish or possibly the only alternative take him as he was chance the vicissitudes of his unstable nature lay herself open to the horrors she had glimpsed so recently and pray for her fortunes to point the way of salvation and in the mood in which she now found herself that seemed infinitely the preferable solution yet rationally she knew it was impossible she shook her head despondently and leaned against the wall in abject misery then thin and sharp sounded the shrill summons of the doorbell and a moment later the patter of the maid's footsteps in the hall below she listened idly to distract herself from the chain of despondency that was her thoughts and was mildly startled to recognize the booming drums of dr horker's voice she heard his greeting and the muffled reply from the group and then a phrase understandable because of his sonorous tones where's pat the words drifted up the well of the stairs followed by a scarcely audible reply from her mother heavy footfalls on the carpeted steps and then his figure bulked on the landing below her she cupped her chin on her hands and stared down at him while he ascended to her side sprawling his great figure beside her pat honey he rumbled you're beginning to get me worried 
am i her voice was weary dull i've had myself like that for a long time poor kid are you really so miserable over this nick problem of yours i love him yes he looked at her with sympathy and calculation mingling in his expression i believe you do i'm sorry honey i didn't realize until now what he means to you you don't realize now she murmured still with the weary intonation perhaps not pat but i'm learning if you're in this thing as deeply at all that i'm in too to the finish want me she reached out her hand plucking at his coat sleeve abruptly she leaned toward him burying her face against the rough tweed of his suit she sobbed a little while he patted her gently with his great delicately fingered hand i'm sorry honey he rumbled i'm sorry the girl drew herself erect and leaned back against the wall shaking her head to drive the tears from her eyes she gave the doctor a wan little smile well she asked i'll return your compliment of the other night said horker briskly i'll ask a few questions purely professional of course fire away dr carl good now when our friend has one of these uh, attacks is he rational do his utterances seem to follow a logical thought sequence i th think so in what way does he differ from his normal self oh every way she said with a tremor nick's kind and gentle and sensitive and naive and this other is cruel harsh gross crafty and horrible you can't imagine a greater difference hum is the difference recognizable instantly could you ever be in doubt as to which phase you were encountering oh no i can well sort of dominate nick but the other lord she shuddered again i felt like a terrified child in the presence of some powerful evil god humph perhaps the god's name was priapus well we'll discount your feelings pat because you weren't exactly in the best condition for let's say sober judgment now about this story of his what happens to his own personality when this other phase is dominant did he say yes he said his own self was compelled to sort of stand by while the the intruder used his voice and body he knew the thoughts of the other but only when it was dominant the rest of the time he couldn't tell its thoughts and how long has he suffered from these intrusions as long as he can remember as a child he was blamed for the other's mischief and when he tried to explain people thought he was lying to escape punishment well observed the doctor i can see how they might think that don't you believe it i don't exactly disbelieve it honey the human mind plays queer tricks sometimes and this may be one of its little jokes 
It's a psychiatrist's business to investigate such things and to painlessly remove the point of the joke. Oh, if you only can, Dr. Carl, if you only can. We'll see. He patted her head comfortingly. Now, you say the kind, gentle, and all that phase is the normal one. Is that usually dominant? Yes, Nick can master the other, or could until recently. He says this last attack is the worst he's ever had. The other has been gaining strength. Strange, mused the doctor. Well, he said with a smile of encouragement, I'll have a look at him. Do you think you can help? Pat asked anxiously. Have you any idea what it is? It isn't a devil, at any rate, he smiled. But have you any idea? Naturally, I have, but I can't diagnose at second hand. I'll have to talk to him. But what do you think it is? She persisted. I think it's a fixation of an idea gained in childhood, honey. I had a patient once, he smiled at the reminiscence, who had a fixed delusion of that sort. He was perfectly rational on every other point save one. He believed that a pig with a pink ribbon was following him everywhere, downtown, into elevators and offices, home to bed. Everywhere he went, this pink-ribboned prize porker pursued him. And did you cure him? Well, he recovered, said the doctor noncommittally. We got rid of the pig, and it might be something of that nature that's troubling your boyfriend. Your description doesn't sound like a precox or a manic depressive, as I thought originally. Oh, said Pat abruptly. I forgot. He went to a doctor in New York, a very great doctor. Munster? He didn't say whom, but this doctor studied him a long time and finally came out with this fixed idea theory of yours, only he couldn't cure him. Um, Horker grunted thoughtfully. Do fixed ideas do things like that to people? queried the girl. Things like the pig and what happened to Nick? They might. Then they're devils she announced with an air of finality. They're just your scientific jargon for exactly what Magda means when she says a person's possessed by a devil. So I'm right anyway. That's good orthodox theology, Pat, chuckled the doctor. We'll try a little exorcism on your devil then. He rose to his feet. Bring your boyfriend around, will you? Oh, Dr. Carl she cried. He's leaving. I'll have to call him tonight. Not tonight, honey. Mueller would let me know if anything of that sort were happening. Tomorrow's time enough. The girl stood erect, mounting to the top step to bring her head level with the doctor's. She threw her arms about him, burying her face in his massive shoulder. Dr. Carl, she murmured, I'm a nasty, ill-tempered, vicious little shrew, and I'm sorry, and I apologize. You know I'm crazy about you, and... She whispered in his ear, So's mother. 
End of chapter 17